We've been going through this series in Ephesians, and last week Rich got to talk about the different ways that God has gifted people in the body and the different ways that we're, we're serving. We get um, some practical stuff. I love Ephesians because I get to plant churches, and as a, plant, a church planter, this is kind of like a roadmap for how to do community, which is awesome. If you have your Bible or your app, we're in Ephesians 4, starting in verse 17. And uh, faith isn't simply an intellectual exercise. It's not that we just align with what we're supposed to think. There's actually some stuff we're supposed to do. And I learned really early, like if you take a piece of paper and you fold it in half and you read a passage of Scripture, on one side you could say, what's my job? And on the other side you say, what's God's job? And uh, it, was, it was a practice that I started really early. And you find out really quickly like, our job is to really just trust and believe and then kind of be faithful where we can, and he does everything else. But there's some tangible stuff here in aligning what it looks like to trust and believe him that, that Paul's going to help us with. So from verse 17, I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, the non-believers do, in the futility of their thinking, in their empty ways of thinking. They're darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardening of hearts. I read this uh, at, at, in college. I didn't know the Lord, and I knew that my heart was hard, and I knew that I was ignorant to the things of God. I wasn't insulted by this. It was just the truth. Um, but this next statement is something that we need to be aware of as Americans. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality, impulse, you know, what we want, what we feel, so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they're full of greed. You know, we live in a culture where we can do kind of what we want. Other cultures don't have the freedom uh, that, that, that we have, so we have to be sensitive to that. This, however, is not the way of life you learned, okay? So we see here, this isn't uh, a letter to a new church. It's a, it's a church that's been established on the ways and things of Jesus. This is an encouraging reminder of the things that were learned. That's important. Uh, when you heard about Christ and were taught in Him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life. And this is interesting. Like a, a lot of people that, that are in this early church came from, from uh, no background, but most people actually came from a faith background. So when he's saying former way of life, he's not saying like you guys were all drug dealers. He's saying you guys were all really good moral people that were missing something that you needed to have enlightened in the person of Jesus. And, 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 and then he says to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Even those of us that try to live by a moral code, we've got these, these sneaky deceitful desires that sneak in to be made new in the attitudes of your mind and put on the new self. Put on the new self. What does that mean? We'll touch on that a bit. Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. I'm like, Rich, this is, these are a lot of verses. We could do a whole series on this. But he's like, no, Derek, keep going. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. Okay? So that's your homework. Just speak truthfully to each other. For we're all members of one body. In your anger... Do not sin. It doesn't say don't be angry. It says in your anger, when you're angry, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. So anger is going to stir some stuff up that we're going to need to resolve, okay? And don't give the devil a foothold. If we, if we don't resolve it, it turns into bitterness and a foothold happens 
And then we're directed by our bitterness, our frustration, not by the Spirit of God. Some further instructions. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, right? He's writing this to a church. So I just want to say, if you've been stealing at CTK Ferndale, just stop, okay? Uh, But must work, do something useful with their own hands. Okay, then we see that's what he's really talking about. What we're stealing is this life breath we've been given, and we're not fully engaging it in ways, okay? So he's not talking about theft. He's talking about not returning to God the gifts that we've been given. And this is emphasized by the uh, previous 16 verses that we saw. And don't grieve, oh, wait, um, that they may have something to do, uh, share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. This was a big one for me. Uh, I could have gotten a word for the unwholesome talk that was coming out of my mouth when I was, there's not an award for that, by the way, but if there was, um, are you guys that self-righteous or you're just like, you don't say anything bad? Okay, good. Uh, I was saying a lot of bad things. So when I read this, I was like, I got some stuff to do. So, But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Okay, here we get to see this pastoral heart. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God, which you were sealed for on the day of redemption. We get to see this key here. Like Paul's always emphasizing who you are and what what you were called for, and what you were sealed in. And there's this mark, um, and he talks about that in Ephesians 1. You were marked with the seal of the Holy Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance into the kingdom of heaven. And so here again in 4, he's reminding us again, this is who you are. Get rid of all bitterness, um, which is inward anger, rage, which is outward anger and anger, brawling and slander, that's pretty much outward um, if we're fighting and gossiping and, and saying bad stuff about, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. So there's quite a lot going on in this passage. Like I said, we could do a series. I owe Pastor Timothy Keller credit for the way he eloquently summed up several contrasts in this passage. So this is what we see. We're to put off falsehood, we're to speak truth, we're to put off stealing, we're to put on labor, like diligent work, and generosity. We're to put off speaking destructively and put on speaking encouragingly, we're to put off anger and bitterness and put on forgiveness, we're not to grieve the spirit, we're to live by faith. And it's important that what isn't being said here is work harder. Like Paul isn't saying you came out of this faith system, like I said, where you were working really, really hard, and now I need you to work harder. That's not what's going on here. He's basically reminding us of who we are. I remember reading this story um, about this uh, eagle that grew up on a uh, like a chicken farm, and uh, you know, as long as he was uh, uh, around other chickens, he kind of thought he was a chicken. And, you know, he's trying to eat these little things, and he doesn't realize how good chicken tastes. But um, that, that was never mentioned in the story. But he's, you know, eating the stuff. And, um, and sometimes when we're caught around lesser ways of living, we don't recognize that we were created for greater things. And in this story, the eagle didn't realize he was an eagle until he saw another eagle fly. And, and Paul isn't saying, hey, 
you were really good task list people in the past, be really good list people and try harder, he was saying, no, 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 let's not focus on lists, let's focus on Jesus and be lifted up with, if you recognize you were marked and sealed and called by him, let's put off this stuff, put on this stuff, this is who you are. So this is, this is an encouraging passage. Jesus, by the way, didn't come to bring a better list. All moral teachers, they teach good and bad, good and bad, good and bad. And when Jesus speaks in Matthew 5, and he's talking about the Sermon on the Mount, he's not contrasting good and bad, by the way. He's contrasting good and not good enough. Um, basically, he's taking these, these standards. There's these 613 laws that they're, they're trying to live out legalistically, and it's causing division and discord. And he's saying, you're not good enough, Right? Like, you think you've done a good job. Have you killed anyone today? Okay, you've done a good job maybe in that. But I tell you what, if you look at someone with anger in your heart, you've murdered them already. Have you slept with anyone that's not your spouse? I tell you what, if you've looked at anyone lustfully, you uh, have committed adultery in their heart. He takes their list up a notch. He takes it up to 11. That's a Spinal Tap reference, but um, 11. man, uh, I just grew up differently than most of you, and uh, that's okay. Um, and, but, but Jesus turns up like this religious tension to a level of frustration. The Sermon of the Mount has been called the greatest sermon that's ever preached, but if you read it honestly, it should frustrate you because there's no way any of us can live it out, but it should frustrate us to Jesus, and that's exactly what he's trying to do. He's saying it is not about rule-keeping. It's not about list-keeping. Jesus didn't come to bring a better list. He came to be a better way, and he's inviting us to be the way, and that's what's different. Kings of kingdoms on this earth are trying to set themselves apart from their subjects, but the king of the kingdom, the kingdom of God, it is a prerequisite to enter the kingdom of God to know the king. And God is saying through Jesus that if you want to know me, you have to know my son. It's not about acting uh, right in your own. It's about knowing who I am. So again, if we understand that context in this passage, Paul isn't saying try harder. He's saying be who you are called to be now that you are in Christ. So Jesus doesn't offer a new list. He's the new way. Um, if you've had uh, kids, like young kids, like think toddler age, like there's this thing that happens and, um, you know, you might corral them. You can buy like on Amazon now, you can buy like all sorts of gates to lock kids in that I didn't have. Um, you know, when uh, back in my day, we were, um, you know, putting furniture and stuff to, to like keep the kid from escaping, you know, and because um, they're running around and but you go to a park, and they've even got parks where they're locked in. And, and uh, even over here, you know, like if kids have, like, boundaries, they just can do everything within the boundaries. And, and, um, but there is this phenomenon among, like, all toddlers that, that are trying to find their own identity and express some level of independence. And, and they're running around, and they're meeting friends, and they're slobbering, and they're eating dirt, and they're doing all this stuff. Um, but then, then they, they come to this point where they just look at mom or dad, and they do this. And 
And that's the point. That God does something for you and for I. And so it's not about trying harder. It's about like how are we posturing ourselves to the very one that created us. And God wants us to do this. I trust you. I've been out living, you know, I'm testing boundaries, I'm eating dirt, I'm doing all this stuff. But at the end of the day, will you have me? Will you pick me up? Will you give me rest? You're my only sense of rest. This is an act of surrender. Paul isn't asking us to uh, try harder. He's asking us to surrender. We don't try and stop bad behavior through behavior modification. If you just try focus on what you don't want to do, then that thing you're trying not to do is the focus of what you're trying not to do. We modify behavior by experiencing truth, by experiencing the God of truth, by inviting God into our lives, by throwing our hands up, by offering ourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is our spiritual act of worship. Why do we need to put on Christ? Because any attempt at self-effort in ourselves will fail. We all know this, but we try again and again and again to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. It's all, almost like we want to show God that we figured it out enough uh, this time. So Paul's addressing different things, but one thing specifically that he's addressing that I think we need to talk about in a Christian context is anger. Because I've, I've either, uh, you know, not a lot of people talk about it, or sometimes it's even talked about wrongly here. But in the context of this passage, I want you to see what's going on here. So are you an angry Christian? Are you angry? And I think you should be. I think you should be. If anger was sin then God would be sinful because God is often angry. And maybe you've heard, like I have, that anger is sin. But I want to clear it up. Anger is an emotion, right? And any emotion, if not dealt with properly, can lead to sin. But if we're going to heal, we need to feel, right? We need to feel what we're feeling and realize what this is coming from. What is it that I'm experiencing and why? And we are not going to learn until we're brave enough to ask these questions. And often in Christian circles, we say, well, I'm just stressed or I'm overworked or I'm busy or I'm depressed. And it, it's like they're more socially acceptable things to feel than anger because if we're angry, then we are sinning against God. And this has caused great confusion in the church, especially when you read the Old Testament and you see that God is angry. Well, God is angry because he is holy. And when there is injustice, a God of justice wants to do something about it. When there is abuse, a God who is a rescuer wants to rescue people from abuse. Often people read the Old Testament and they think that God is unsafe because he's angry, but I want to tell you that God is safe because he is. God's anger means that he loves you enough to fight for you and to fight for what is best, 
even when the thing that he is angry about is something that you are doing. And we have to be okay with God's anger because God hates sin. And we have to be brave enough to realize there are things in our lives that we do that is selfish. And and God loves us enough to expose selfishness in us so we will learn that his ways are greater than our desires. His preferences are greater than our preferences. And, and Jesus models this when he's saying, Lord, if there's any other way, take this from me. And then he surrenders, not my will, but your will be done. And if you don't address anger, there are two ways that people typically deal with anger. One is just in outbursts. And Paul's telling us here to stay away from, from outbursts and, and to stay away from conflict, like just where we're just... Um, infighting. Conflict is not bad, but how we handle conflict can be bad. And, um, but the other way is inward. And um, we are dealing with a whole lot of people because we don't know how to express anger rightly or because we think anger is sin that just st- stuff it, right? And the world around us is looking for a people of God who will do something about a world that they know that there is stuff going on that shouldn't be going on by the way. And when they see Christians just trying to act nice like nothing's wrong and everything's okay, it seems fake. And the reason I'm saying that we should be angry is because there is injustice in the world. And where there's injustice, we step in. There is hunger in the world, and where there is hunger, we are to feed. There is abuse in the world, and where there is abuse, we need to fight to stop the abuse. There is loneliness in the world, and where there's loneliness, we need to step in and visit. Do you understand that, there, that, that anger reveals a need to do something? Anger, apart from God, always leads to selfishness. But anger with God, if dealt with rightly, will lead to change. And we want to see people who will partner with God in the midst of their anger to see change. And what does that look like? It means where when, when you get all worked up about something, you need to know what is it that I'm defending and what is it that I'm attacking. You know, my kids will come in, and there are times when I'm just tapped, and, and I'm sitting in front of this thing. It's called a television, and you might have one or seen one, but, um, but I'm sitting there. They're kind of entertaining, and, and, uh, but really, they're not doing anything good for anybody by the way, if you got one. And so, but I'm sitting there and they'll, they'll be like, dad, why don't you notice us or play with us or something cool? And I'm like, kids, this box has something on that's important, right? What am I defending? I'm defending my desire for entertainment. I'm defending my right to free time. And I'm like acting out on their desire to be loved by their father. Stupid, right? But I do this. Have you ever done this? It's just me, but I watch Spinal Tap, so I got issues. But I'm mad at my kids because my kids want to spend time with me. What am I defending? Something dumb. This box, I'll probably get a new box in a couple years because this one's blipping out, but I'm defending this box, and I'm attacking my children. That is anger dealt with wrongly, right? But if I see this thing well up in me that it's like, kids, it's Monday night, There are these guys in helmets running against each other. Like, I just need this. Um, And I say, Lord, what am I defending? 
because the Seahawks are not worth defending this year. They won't even defend their quarterback. Sorry. <laughs> now you're with me, yes. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, what am I defending? And, and God is loving me enough to expose, Derek, you're defending your preferences, your desires. And it's easy to use an illustration with kids, but what about in the neighborhood when we interact with someone? What about, you know, online with social media? What is it that we're defending? What is it that we're attacking? I want you to see anger's not sinful and see how we can show anger appropriately. Here Keller says, anger is energy aroused in defense of something good and released against something evil. And that's how God deals with anger, right? His anger is energy aroused in defense of something good, holy, right, just, pure, protected, honorable, and released against something evil, right? Deceit, dishonesty, abuse, like horrible practices, trafficking, you know, selfish, these, these issues, these world issues that as the people of God we can come against if we will just uh, align ourselves with the things that God cares about. I want to say that again. Anger is energy aroused in defense of something good and released against something evil. So I don't know if you've heard this before, but that means anger dealt with appropriately means sometimes you will be angry and you will be like God. Now, that's not justification for us to be angry with each other and just, well, I'm like God and be self-righteous. Here's what God does with anger. So bitterness is how we often deal with it. And it, bitterness is holding someone liable for a sin and continually hoping for another person's harm or distress. And God's angry at the wicked, but he's never bitter. So God hates the idea of people perishing without him. God does not want people to die. But God is angry at me, and God is angry at you when we choose sin over him. But he bears us no ill will. And when someone shows us ill will, we're usually angry at them, and we're going to let them know right, either actively or passively, either externally or inwardly in our heart, like, I'm just, you know, and, 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 and God does not do that, and this is where we, we see a God who deals with anger appropriately, and we're to deal with it appropriately. We're to deal with it in such a way that by the end of the night, we're to say, Lord, I'm wrestling, I don't know how to do this, but you do know how to do this. I don't want the sun to go down, with my remedy for how this should be solved, I want to surrender my will and say, not my will, but your be done. Not my uh, solution, but your solution, God. I want you to resolve it. I want to get in alignment with how you are going to resolve it. The new way of Jesus is not a way of self-effort or no effort. It's not to blow up externally or to clam up inwardly. It's to be brave enough to align with God about the things that he cares about and then step into a world that we can actually make a difference in. And when we figure this out as a community, we actually align with other people that are passionate about the things that God are passionate about and realize tangible ways 
that we can make a difference. And I want to encourage you, Ferndale, as we step into this season, to see where God is moving. Be aware of your emotions. Feel your feelings. Take them to God and let him sort out and sift through the selfishness and repent of that stuff so that we can return to him righteousness and submission and partner with him for what he will do in you today and tomorrow and the rest of your days. Will you pray with me? Holy Spirit of God, would you search our hearts? And God, I don't want to tell you I'm not angry if I'm angry. I'd much rather say, God, this is ticking me off and work through being ticked off with you. But God, I confess I've learned some bad spiritual habits. God, I, um, I resort to laziness or justification at times when I shouldn't. God, I hide whether it's behind a box on a couch or whether it's from my neighbors that just need to see a tangible expression of love or whether it's hiding out from my kids that just want uh, to play at the park. God, we don't want to be tired doing selfish things. We want to get strength doing your things. And um, God, there are 10,000 people in this community that need to see a ridiculous, tangible expression of you. And this world that we live in, God, is divisive. And culture's telling us that we have to pick one way or the other. God, whether it's left or right or uh, this political extreme or that political extreme, God, we're not okay. Lord, we're not okay with what's going on in this country. And I just want to have some permission to get angry about it. We're not okay, God that people are, are having such a low value of life that kids are shooting each other up. God, in the schools, on the streets, ending their own life, parents ending life early before life has a chance. God, we're not okay with that. Would you align us with your heart so that you would teach us tangibly what we can do about it? And God, I do not want to um, villainize any person. I don't want to come against people. I want to come against problems. And I do believe as the people of God, you have positioned us here to, to, to partner with you to come against the problems of lawlessness and sinfulness and self-centeredness. And, and that is only going to happen, God. Not when we, God, uh, try harder, but when we remember who we are and we worship you for who you are. We make Jesus central. We lift up the name of Jesus. We thank you for the redemption that we have in you. We thank you for the identity that we have in you. We thank you that we are not alone, that you've given us your spirit. We thank you, God, that we, we have been called into a purpose and a calling, and we get to partner with you. We have significance, God. And Lord, I, I ask forgiveness sometimes when I don't want to step into conflict because I, I, I don't want to be unliked. But God, I want to fight for my kids, and I want to fight for my friends. I want to fight for what's best if that's what you're asking me to do. And I know on my good days, God, I, I will bravely step into conflict, and on my bad days, I run from it. 
God, would you teach us how to not fear conflict, but how to handle it appropriately? Would you teach us not to explode into anger or to hide in ourselves or a room, but to communicate, this is frustrating me, and I feel like this needs to change in ways that will actually lead to change. Will you help us, God? Will you teach us, God? We are your daughters. We are your sons. We want you and you alone. Be Christ in all. Come be glorified in Ferndale and beyond. We dedicate ourselves again this day to you, Jesus. We love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.